0: Empower the use of open source with software composition analysis from Revanera. Hello, I'm Kendra Morton, Product Marketing Manager at Revanera. You're listening to a software composition analysis podcast where we discuss the the importance of open source use in modern software development and how Organizations are managing associated uh, compliance and security risk. We once again, welcome to our discussion, Martin Callanan, Director at Source Code Control. Martin, it's great to have you once again.
1: Thanks for welcoming me back.
0: Absolutely. Um, in a recent podcast, you and I talked about the fallout of the log four shell vulnerability, since mm-hmm. it seems as if the dust is settling a bit. Um, however, we reached the conclusion that it's really not just about, or, sh- or should I say you reached the conclusion that it's really not just about uh, log four J in reality. Uh, you compared that security threat to Heartbleed. They almost read identically in terms of managing and remediating issues. The takeaway is that we're really not that much further along than 2014. However, we do have more guidance and tools today to help us move forward. So today's discussion, we're gonna focus on, again, key learnings from log log four shell vulnerability, say that three times fast and talk about um, software bill of materials initiatives, ongoing diligence, and the importance of being proactive versus reactive in controlling and understanding what's in your code. That's what we're gonna cover today. So first question to you, when you look back on Log4Shell and vulnerabilities like Heartbleed, what should organizations be doing to minimize the fallout?
1: Well, I think the real fallout related to any situation like this is, if you, if you are the developer of software, how can you build trust to your customers in the software that you're producing? So how, how can you demonstrate you know, to a prospect, a partner, existing customer, that if a similar situation comes up in the future, you've got a strategy for managing that to minimize the risk to the customer. And likewise, for the acquirer of software solutions, how can you trust your software suppliers that they'll manage a situation for you? Um, so it's not just a case of, oh, there's a vulnerability, let's let's find it, if we got it in our code, let's fix it, and we just move forward. That's that's not a strategy for managing that. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of press about, you know we, we can't trust open source software it's not even about open source software it's about software in general you've got you've got to accept all, all software comes with flaws uh, the flaws are fixed but how do you get that fixed out to customers and how do you like i said how do you demonstrate if you if you're the software producer how can you demonstrate to customers that you can you can manage that situation for them
0: yeah it's really um there's there's a lot more benefit to open source use and the advantages yeah. of open source right um and you just have to couple that with a a a pretty robust strategy for managing it yeah. um and so that you that so that organizations and development teams can use it to their best advantages
1: yeah i, I mean i mean like, like for j, j or Heartbleed or any vulnerability um, and the, the fallouts as we started this conversation you know that is a symptom it's not the root cause of the problem the root cause of the problem is you know sadly a lot of software companies are so pressured to deliver code and not spend investing both in resources of people and tools to track and manage the use of open source um i've seen articles saying you know We can't trust open source but it's not about trusting open source there's good open source and there's bad open source there's good proprietary software there's bad proprietary software Um, you've got to be able to differentiate between the good software and the bad software and that goes right back to I refer to it as secure by design you know if you if you've got technical challenges and you find some code which is open source which addresses that technical challenge it may address the technical challenge, but it may be bad code. What I mean by that is it could be badly supported. It could be very out-of-date code. Um, so if there's an issue going forward, it's probably not going to get resolved, which causes, you know, in the future, a potential problem, uh, which could be expensive to fix. Mm-hmm. So you've got to look at the root, root cause, not not
0: just the symptom. We talked a little bit about it in our last podcast, but mm-hmm. it, 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 you kind of hinted at it um, um, moments ago too, but in some organizations, not that it's a strategy, but almost an idea because of, you know, they're doing, you know, their day-to-day business yep. of fix it and forget it and move on. Yep. Right. But Heartbleed is, is a good hmm. a, a good example of why that's not a good strategy good strategy or outlook
1: yeah, yeah. well al- also since since heart which we did touch on previously as well there's far more guidance and industry initiatives to help both acquirers of software and producers of software to build trust in that kind of software supply chain as it's referred to so an example i'll give you would be the open chain project mm-hmm. which was Hosted by the Linux Foundation, a lot of big software companies and small software companies are involved in that. We're, we're involved with it as a service provider. But the the, you know, the the goal of OpenChain is how can you build that trust in you know the software supply chain, and it's really about the the, the process. So can you identify all the third party code in your code? Um, can you d- build a software bill of materials, which is accurate. When you ship your software, you're not shipping a risk on to customers. Um, and the idea is it's now an ISO standard, ISO 5230. The idea is that a software company can implement the processes defined by OpenChain, which is tracking all that open source in your code. And you can get a badge an ISO standard, which you can share with prospects and customers. Say, this is our process for managing the software supply chain. Therefore, there is a level of trust that we do have a process for tracking and remediation of uh, open source in our, in our code. So then if, if you're a, an acquirer of a software solution and you're asking questions of your suppliers, how do you manage this problem? And you see one of the suppliers is conformant with ISO 5230, then you can have confidence in that supplier. If the other supplier can't give you that confidence, it helps you in your decision-making process. Um, So that's that's just one example. There's quite a few industry initiatives. The other one is around software transparency. So a project started by NTIA in the US, that all software should come with a software bill of materials, which is basically an inventory of all the third-party code that makes up the particular software solution you, you can think of it like the ingredients on food packaging so if kendra if you had a nut allergy you'd check the food packaging to see if there's anything you know anything to do not sit in, in the ingredients and you can avoid that particular food likewise you can check the software building materials for what components they use in version numbers and if there was a log4j situation you could check the bill of materials of the latest release of the software. And so actually I I know my code. So either I go back to my supplier to try and fix it or I fix it myself, potentially.
0: Yeah. That's a good segue because you talk about um, software bill of materials Mm -hmm. having an inventory of what's in code Mm -hmm. and um, what's in application. So do you think is having a software bill of materials, if you will, is it? Um, really a panacea to a mature open-source management strategy?
1: Uh, I don't think it's a panacea. And the reason why I say, uh, say that is, first of all, are all software bill of materials going to be consistent, you know, in formats and the day-to-day supply? Um, th- there are organisations like the NTIA are trying to define what should be in a software bill of materials. Uh, the tools that are used to create software building materials could vary. So how accurate is the software building materials? You could fall into a false sense of security part the pump um, because you've got a software building materials, which is inaccurate, and the vulnerabilities announced you check the software building materials. You can't see it in, in the SBOM. Does that mean it's not there? It could still be there it's just not been reported in the software bill of materials um also i think there's a risk of if you think of modern software how many releases you get you think of apps on your phone daily updated the the customer is going to end up with multiple maybe hundreds of s-bombs that you'd plough through to try and find if there's a situation. So I still, I still think there's a lot of work to do about the implementation of SBOMs. You know, there's talk about, should they be publicly available? Uh, if they're publicly available, doesn't that give information about an application of how you might exploit it, knowing what's in the makeup of the code? So I still think it's just the start of the journey with regards to SBOMs. I mean, it's, it's a great initiative uh i do think customers or or companies developing software definitely should be looking at providing some sort of transparency to to their customers for sure um so yeah it's a good thing but it's not a panacea right
0: it sounds like then it's a part of a larger whole and it also sounds like too that there needs to be from an industry perspective perhaps a a clear and more agreed upon and um, definition mm. of what a, an S bomb is and what's in an S bomb and what what's really required and and you you mentioned several like NTIA and um, yeah. um, OpenChain but there's a lot we're seeing a lot more regulations um, and governance coming into play um, yeah. like like those that you mentioned.
1: Yeah, and it, it's 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 not actually that that new. Like, this regulation has been coming for some time um in fact the vulnerability um related to equifax a few years ago was mm-hmm. was that, that the press around that was this was a game changer for security but we're still here um yeah. but really that did uh start lots of the discussions around how do we address this supply chain problem and um um what what people listening to this podcast could be doing is you, you could actually get involved so the NTIA projects, uh, OpenChain, the, the community projects, en- anybody can contribute. Um, obviously, the more people contribute, the more discussion there is, you know, longer it takes to make decisions. Uh, there is a lot of opinions about what is the minimal minimum viable you know, software building materials. At the end of the day, it will be, how accurate are those S-bombs? And if you get situations um, where S bombs are inaccurate and don't solve a problem, people lose confidence in them, mm-hmm. and they'll be supplied, and people won't, won't, you know, ever use them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What will it take, do you think, to get organizations? Again, S bombs are a part of a larger whole mm. of what needs yeah. to be implemented. I think to have a robust open source management strategy and program within organizations but what do you think it will take for organizations to be more proactive rather than reactive especially when it comes to you touched on it at the beginning of our conversation it's that software supply chain Mm -hmm. and the importance of of knowing you know where code is coming from and what's in your code because you know um today right you know with partners and vendors and all contributing and, and, and others contributing that software supply chain becomes a lot more complex
1: i think um, it's already started but it's when it impacts money or money it's always money that talks right so if it impacts if you're a software company and the inability to prove you can manage this problem or inability to provide an s-bomb affects your revenues that drives change and of course regulation so what i mean by affecting revenue if um, you are selling a software solution to companies and they say we can't buy your solution unless you do these things then you will adopt those things and obviously with regulation we are moving into a world of we should do this. Into we have to do this. You know, the executive order um, that's talked a lot about. You know, this requirements about S That wasn't the first piece of regulational guidance. The European Union have got this for cloud solutions. Go for IoT. Um, there's other industries like the payment card industry. They've got a secure software development framework uh, for companies developing software related to, you know, taking payment card transactions. The common theme across all those guidelines and frameworks is either an inventory of open source components, which is basically what an SBOM is or an SBOM. So this has been in play for some time. I think now we're at a point where, you know, things like like Log4j help, because it raises the profile of the risk and raises the profile of the potential solutions. One of them being a, a, an S bomb. So that that drives you know, consumers' behaviours to ask the questions back in in their supply chain. You supply software to me. How do you deal with this? Can you can you give me an S bomb? And and we we are we are seeing that around the world, uh, regardless of you know it's White House executive order which has raised the profile, um, but we're seeing procurement departments taking that up as well and saying uh-huh. we want a software build of materials and i think that that that's what drives behavior yeah
0: yeah
1: also also so, you, you're sorry kendra you always no, get peer okay. peer pressure so yeah. if you get enough momentum if if go back to open chain the goal of open chain now they've got an iso standard is to get people people to adopt it so in, increasingly if um, you're competing and everyone's competing for, you know, business yeah. and you're losing business because your competitors can provide a software building materials. You will definitely drive your business to produce a software building materials. So I think you can get that peer pressure. You, there'll be a tipping point where so many companies are doing it. You have to do it. There's always leaders and followers early adopters and so on and so on. So I think we're at the early adopter stage where companies are leading the way with doing this and, uh, companies will follow in their wake. I think it's it's inevitable.
0: Yeah. That idea maybe of, um, kind of, like you said, those leaders and followers kind of that competitive Mm -hmm. pressure of implementing processes, tools, people within an organization that kind of create a best practice around, um, open source management and Mm. having, um, secure control over, over your applications or over applications that are produced Mm. and shipped to customers. Um, I think, I I think you're right. Right. And there's much more awareness about it today, um, than there, than there has been. And like you said there, that's, that's been growing. We've been, we've been seeing that increase, um, year over year.
1: I think part of the problem is that there's lack of understanding about how software development works. So, you know, it's procurements, you know, that buy software solutions, not necessarily the customer understands software development. There's other aspects of business like ISO 9001 or ISO 27001 for information security. Uh, Sometimes you cannot do business with a large company unless you've got those standards Mm -hmm. and it's quite well understood and you invest in doing those. Software development seems to be different. And I think it's because people don't understand how software development works. It's complicated, um, leave it to the developers. But I think that's changing. So more and more companies will say, you need that standard or or you need to provide an s or whatever it might be. The more that happens, it's inevitable, we, oh, let's invest in it, let's get it done.
0: for sure. Well, Martin, thank you. I appreciate the discussion. Um, Thank you once again for joining me today. Yeah. Thanks. Bye, everybody. All right. Thanks. Thank you so much to our audience for joining us. And uh, we hope to see you again or talk to you again soon on another software composition analysis podcast from Revanera. Have a great day. Empower the use of open source with software composition analysis from Revanera.